Hi, I'm Nikki Felbert. I'm a filmmaker and continuous seeker of life's truth and natural magic. And here's where I get to share amazing interviews and bindings with you, from people that have followed a calling and have a wealth of knowledge to share. This series of podcasts focuses on different aspects of the sacred sites I'm working on for my film, so I get to do some extra research and share it with you. Nestor, thank you so much for joining us. Nestor is the founder and co-director of the Association of Sound Therapy. He's an overtone singing expert and he's a musician and teacher, among other things. He has his um, own place with his partner where he does his teachings and it, it looks absolutely beautiful. Nestor, thank you. Thank you for, for joining us and um, I'm so interested in your overtoning. It's really come back to me. I had the privilege of doing an overtoning weekend with Nestor when he was in Cape Town, probably around two decades ago. And it's really come back to me. <laughs> I don't want to say exactly when, <laughs> gives away my age. Um, but it's with the, with the vibration of the, of the sound, um, it's been used in uh, some of the sacred sites that I've been working on for my film with Dean Laprini. Um, and it seems that they've really built sites to be able to use those wave sounds for healing. Can you tell me some of the healing aspects of, of these, all these different wave sounds? Okay, that's kind of a multiple question. It Firstly, is. Nikki, it's great to see you after these, uh, approximately 20 years, you know, <laughs> back when we were just very young teenagers. Uh, yes, uh, overtone singing amplifies the pure frequencies of which all sounds are made. So this is vitally important because uh, all, all sonic vibrations are composed of pure frequencies, which uh, stand in a very fixed mathematical relationship to one another. And um, one of my quotes, hopefully soon to be a famous quote, is that when we sing overtones, we are literally sounding the mathematics of creation. I actually wrote that so down is... when I was going through your website because I loved that so much. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely should be a famous <laughs> quote. <laughs> I certainly hope so, because that's literally what it is. What we're doing is, is we are, um, with overtone singing, is using the chamber, the sacred chamber of the mouth cavity to amplify those pure frequencies within the voice uh, so that they can be heard um, in their purity for the first time. We all have these frequencies in our voices. Now, um, around about the time you did that um, overtone workshop with me way back in, uh, it must have been uh, 2000 or 2001, around about there. Uh, in fact, Dean Liprini took Michelle and I around the coast. Uh, we parked our cars, God knows how, because it's a quite a treacherous, windy road. And we went into a, a chamber that we could barely fit into the two of us, a sandstone chamber that was lined up with the um, the sun on the solstice and at certain times of the day and there th was an amazing combination of 
of uh, sounds and energy. Um, and I did in fact sing some overtones in that space. I do know that um, uh, overtones resonate particularly well in uh, echoey spaces, in spaces where, where the sound tends to travel. And um, in general, spaces that are rounded or curved yes uh like the dome well we like the dome center that we've actually built in here in spain is is a is a is a hemispheric building uh that has the acoustics like a like a large church i mean it's really amazing i feel that um the harmonics they have a very powerful powerful effects on the human brain yeah. on uh, the on the brain waves and the, the brain hemispheres on the nervous system um, they have very powerful effects of calming uh, they provoke um, alpha or even theta brain waves because normally we're in beta brainwave frequencies which are when we're in an active awake state um, alpha is more of a meditative but still alert aware focused state yeah and theta is very very deep almost trance-like state so those states can be provoked by um overtone singing particularly if you're the listener right. and not the actual singer because if you're the one singing then you have to retain enough awareness to to be able to sing having said that um when i do sing overtones now that I've, I've had many years of practice, obviously, I no longer need to think consciously, oh, what am I doing and what note am I going to hit next? Uh, literally within a few seconds of starting to sing overtones, um, I kind of open up like a channel and those tones flow through me. And sometimes it creates a little melody that's been going around in my brain. Sometimes it's the melody that's in my heart in that moment. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like a little riff, little melodic pattern that is what I need to restore my own balance or harmony in that moment. Because mostly us musicians, we are very selfish. Although we express our, our art and hopefully from our heart more than from our heads, we're actually creating the music that we ourselves need and if everyone else likes it so much the better and they're yeah. welcome along for the ride but actually most musicians are writing uh, and transmitting what they need to to transmit for their own personal satisfaction pleasure that's, and balance that's such a beautiful you know. metaphor for any artist actually you're creating for yourself mm. you're creating for the sake of creating um and expressing yeah. and yeah. is drawn to that that's wonderful uh, rather than creating for an audience the thing is it's good to reach as many people as possible if you only reach one person and you're able to transform or be uh, instrumental if you'll excuse the use of the word in transforming their lives you know then that is a very important step People all have their, their music that they love, but have you learned to listen mm. to it in a different way? Have you learned to 
really take on the vibration of the of the sound and you do sound journeys as well that must be such a beautiful experience in the in the space that you have tell me a bit about that do you use different instruments as well as your singing yes we use quite a few different instruments so uh, typically in in our sound journeys we'll use gongs a whole host of um, Himalayan uh, singing bowls, the you know the, the metal hand-beaten bowls. Yeah. They used to be called Tibetan singing bowls, but of course, since uh, the Chinese invasion of Tibet, they are now mainly uh, manufactured in India and Nepal. So now we just call them Himalayan bowls. Right. Um, didgeridoos and various types of chimes. You know, I play didgeridoo as well. Um, voice, Native American flutes, overtone flutes. Um, so yeah, uh, typically a sound journey will last about 45 minutes of pure sound. I know there are people who go longer, but it's just simply overkill. You, mm. you absolutely don't need to go more than 45 minutes for a sound journey. And these are also powerful, very powerful processes. Um, Does it matter if you're awake or if you've fallen asleep? No, it doesn't matter. Obviously, if you're awake, you will remember each and every instrument and, and uh, consciously feel its effects on you. But if you are to, but if you were to pass out, which is fine, then the sound is being received both by the ears, the brain, and the nervous system anyway. And in fact, it might even be better because there will be no blockage or resistance on your part. If you right. fall asleep, the pure sounds will be entering both through your biofield, through your energetic bodies, as well as the entire surface of your physical body. And um, most people don't ever consciously think about this but the ear never sleeps. You know, it, the, there's a tiny little muscle in the inner ear that is the only muscle in the body that never, ever rests. Mm. That is why sounds have the uh, ability to wake <laughs> us up. In fact, we, we owe our survival as a species to that little muscle called the stapes muscle, uh, which is vibrating constantly because sounds wake us up. I certainly have experienced that when my daughter was a baby. <laughs> you wake up really quickly when they start to niggle. <laughs> I remember that well. Yes, I used to uh, croon in a very deep voice to my daughter when she was uh, when she used to wake me up at night. But literally, if the ear was not active all the time, then probably we would have become extinct. You know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, the predators, uh, saber-toothed tigers, would have eaten us up in the cave if uh, if sounds were not able to wake us up. So mm -hmm. it's very important. While you are asleep, you can still listen passively to sound. So in a sound journey, uh, it can it will still have all the power and beneficial effects as if you're awake. I love South Africa because they also call it sound journeys. Yeah, 25 yeah. years ago, Michel coined the phrase sound journey and, and thought 
we thought we were the inventors of this. And then we came to South Africa for our first visit way back in 1998. And we did a presentation at the Drum Cafe um, in Johannesburg. And uh, so we said to people, and yeah, we offer sound journeys. Do you know what those are? And they were like, yeah, man, we've been doing sound journeys for a couple of years here in South Africa. And I was like, hey, but we invented that. No, 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 we've been doing these for a couple of years. And of course, now all over the world, it's gong baths and sound baths. Yes. And we do not offer sound baths. A sound journey is an experience where your physical body is, is protected in a safe space, in a safe container, and allowing your spirit, your soul to travel, to leave your body behind and go where it needs to go on the astral planes or to have um, literally an out of body or freed from the body experience. Sometimes a sound journey will provoke other reactions um, that are not always um, lovely and pleasant and beautiful because otherwise it wouldn't be a healing experience. Healing covers the whole gamut, the whole range of human feelings, emotions, experiences. And if you want to offer healing, well, some of the sounds might give you a kick in the backside. You know? right. They're not always <laughs> designed to be just beautiful. Right. Although it helps. Yes, it's yeah. nice to listen to. But uh, I've yeah. experienced sound journeys where it's not all nice. And there's, there's, uh, it's very empowering at the end. There's, uh, mm. there, it feels like a lot of shifts happen. And it's still all very pleasant. It's still as a, as a whole because there's so many beautiful sounds that you feel going through your body. Um, it's a very pleasant and pleasant experience. Um, it was, can yeah. you um, can do you have any stories or knowledge of how sound a sound journey can heal? What kind of things can it heal in your body? Um, <clears throat> several years ago, I was um, um, working in Stockholm at an energy center. I mean, a center that teaches management of of subtle energy. Uh, and they had uh, brought um, three scientists from Russia. And one guy had um, invented a, um, a sensor way ahead of his time that actually measured the, the meridians in the body. You know, the meridians, the 12 meridians, according to Chinese medicine, which measure the energy in each of the vital organs. And so they hooked up some people while I gave a sound journey, they hooked people up, two or three people. I think I still have the, uh, the PowerPoint presentation from all those years ago, but literally um, each of the instruments that I played had, a, had an effect, but all three people began the sound journey with wild fluctuations in their energies and particularly the, the left-right balance was out of kilter. But right. after the sound journey, everybody had beautiful flat lines between the left and right uh, energies in the left and right side of each meridian. So there you could immediately see that um, a sound journey restored balance and harmony um, at the energetic level to yeah. all the body's vital organs. 
Amazing. So, so it's really about balance yeah. and the harmony. I love because harmony it brings in the the mu the musical descriptive word of it, but it really does bring it into that that harmony. Right. Well, because the correct word for overtones is harmonics. Okay. Yes. Harmonics is more of a scientific term, and what harmonics mean are literally whole number multiples of the fundamental tone. So whichever tone you sing or play on your instrument, that's your fundamental or it's the first harmonic. And then your other harmonics are multiples of that. So if I sing 100 Hertz or cycles per second, yes. the harmonics will be 200, 300, 400, 500, 600. It's perfectly, it's not even geometric, it's arithmetic. And this was all discovered uh, 2,600 years ago by Pythagoras. And you think 2,600 years ago, he figured this out using a monochord and, and dividing the string into equal parts, half, you know, a third, a quarter, yeah. a fifth, a sixth of a string. And the, the harmonics resulted from that. <clears throat> and literally that's where we get the laws of harmony from, huh. from the original natural harmonic series or overtone scale. Yes. Uh, hundreds of years later, we invented uh, modern Western instruments, which are tuned to a man-made synthetic scale. So this literally means, and without offending all modern musicians, we, we, our modern system is based on the 12 note, uh, even tempered chromatic scale. That's 12 notes in the octave. And we all know that actually oct means eight, so octave should be eight notes, but we've squeezed 12 of them into the same space. And if we look here at a, at a shruti box yes. that, that is tuned to the piano, here we would have um, C, D, E, F, G, A, B. Yes. And what would be the black notes on the piano yes. would be you know, C, C sharp, yes. B, you know, D, D sharp. Then you get E, but where there, there wasn't enough space to insert an extra semitone. So, right. the, so there you can see how actually unharmonious the Western octave is. It's unbalanced. Yes. And the, the intervals are all wrong. They do not create the harmonious intervals that occur on the natural overtone scale. Can you, because you maybe can't if sing what it sounds like or play what it sounds like with the, the natural <coughs> harmonics? I'll sing you a scale. Okay, the, I'll see how this is a brand new microphone I'm using. The old one worked great, but many microphones cut out when you sing the overtones. It's just too much. Uh for them and they go, ah, they go into shock. So let's see if this works.
know how, how well that transmitted. How, how did that sound from your side? It sounded lovely and it felt really good too. <laughs> I could feel it in my heart. It was like, wow. <laughs> Very beautiful. Okay, good. So that makes sense. That makes sense. That's different to, to the Western semitone. Yeah. So in each octave you go up, you have double the number of musical tones in each octave. It really makes sense when you say you're sounding the mathematics of creation. But that's truly what it is. You know, if you have an overtone flute, <clears throat> for example, and I know people in South Africa uh, are very familiar with the overtone flute. It's all part of the Vuvuzela family. Right. Um, unfortunately, actually, I still have a piece of um, beautiful seaweed that Dean Leprini gave us 20 something years ago. One of them I cut into an overtone flute that has the most wow. haunting overtones. Um, but here is just a very simple pipe and on it, there's a mouthpiece. But if I just blow, then you get overtones. There's no holes in okay. this instrument. I was wondering what an overtone flute is. Now I'm, now I understand. So by blowing harder, you get higher and higher and higher overtones, similar yeah. to, to a normal flute, in fact. Yeah. And of course, every uh, wind instrument player knows that you get overtones or harmonics by overblowing. So, so you can take your flute into the next octave just by, by overblowing. Yes. You can create with saxophones and clarinets as well. You can create these ultra high sounds yeah. simply by blowing too hard into and your wind instrument. Does, does this, is it a similar effect um, with your, when you're singing? It's not. That's just the way that your mouth is shaped to, um, to create that, that sound, right? <clears throat> well, in addition to, to, you have to divide the mouth cavity in a way that creates a valve. I'm not going to tell you how. You have to come to a workshop for that. <laughs> you, you know already. But so what's involved is, is, is creating a channel like a wind instrument. All wind instruments have a reed or a valve that squeezes the air passage and makes the overtone jump out. This can be created in different parts of the body. So you can do it back at, at the back of the throat. Yeah. or in the mouth cavity with the, using the tongue to help. Mm -hmm. 
And, but of course, you need to use the lips and, and all the other parts of the body. So what I'm doing is literally giving voice to the harmonics that are already there within my voice. Right. So all human beings have the same overtones in our voices. Yes. Um, but yours are particularly... We all, we all have exactly the same. You've, you've really got... Yeah, I mean, I can't do what you can do. <laughs> um, does it... So, I mean, does it make a difference if you if you um, have a, a, a female voice to a male voice? Because I, I, yes, um, I don't know if that's why I, I, def, I can't make those. I mean, I can make the sounds, but they're not as resonant. They're not as loud. No, the, the men have an advantage here. And this is not a sexist thing. It's just pure physical restrictions. There is a... A glass ceiling, sorry to say, Nikki, um, <laughs> with the overtone singing, because men generally sing at least one octave below a woman. Right. Now, if you think of dividing a string, imagine uh, Pythagoras discovered the overtones and the arithmetic or the mathematics of the overtone series by dividing the string. Now, a woman's has half the length of string as a guy. Mm. So if you're looking at the division of a string, you think, okay, well, if I'm singing, ah, then I can only divide the string so many times before I run out of string, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So if I go into a, like a falsetto voice or a higher voice, There, I'm singing more like in the female voice. Okay, more in the female voice. <laughs> wow. So I can easily get eight overtones or eight harmonics there. Mm, but mm. if I sing in my voice, going to get 15 or 16 mm. overtones mm. double the amount of a woman who sings one octave higher right also not just women but in fact in mongolia or tuva which are the two countries most famous for their throat singing they always sing in a very high fundamental when they're doing those high overtones yeah they sing very high fundamentals which only gives them access to a, a limited part of the overtone scale, which is all they need, because they are singing traditional folkloric songs yes. with their overtones. They are not healing. They are not trying to create meditative or trance-like music. They're using very high-pitched frequencies, which I would definitely not use in a sound journey or a, or a healing or a meditational con um, concert because right. it's just um, not appropriate. Yeah. So I mean, there it's are interesting different ways to use the overtones. Sorry, Nikki. Yeah, it's interesting because very few people have, uh, um, have 
kept any overtone in their in their music i mean f from what i understand it's just the the tibetan monk and the mongolian tuvan singers that that we know that it's um originated from well actually no nikki right round the corner yeah you have in the eastern cape you have the Mpoko singers you have the Mpokolo singers Okay. And these are some Koza women that sing uh, deep voice throat singing, overtone singing. Um, they were discovered in 1982 by Reverend David Dargie in the Eastern Cape, who was pa paying uh, people, to, uh, local musicians. Uh, and he heard, you know, to, to bring their instruments and play their instruments and explain their instruments. Uh, as he's an ethnomusicologist. Right. And he came across a lady who... Um, was singing in this uh, very low, deep voice. Yes. And uh, he asked if there were more, if she knew any others. And she said, no, she thinks she was the last one. So this created panic at an international mm -hmm. level because they only just discovered South African overtone singing. Right. And there's only one person left that can do it. So they quickly looked around and eventually they found six or seven other women that could do this technique. Mm. And in fact, um, I don't know if I can, sh if I'm allowed to share my screen with you, but at some point yeah. I can show you a photo. So, so this knowledge would have been passed down to the people that, that could still, were still overturning in, in um, this part of Southern Africa, the yeah. Western Cape. It was passed down from woman to woman and they teach the girls only wow. um, after the age of after the age of 17, uh, because the vocal cords are very connected to the second chakra where we have our sexuality, etc. Yeah. And so um, and so only girls who have completed puberty are allowed to um, are taught this technique. So they've reawakened it. And what happened was I was in Cape Town, or we were in Cape Town for the Parliament of World's Religions in uh, 1999. And I discovered that these ladies were in Cape Town during the Parliament, and I arranged to meet them. Okay, great. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the picture. There we go. So these ladies are from the Eastern Cape, and they sing overtones. In a traditional way, it sounds like a musical bow. You know, the overtone mouth bow? No, sounds very oh, much yes, like yes, that. Yes, 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 with the one string, right. Yeah, like Michael Cini Some of them have a coconut on them as well, but otherwise it's just tied one piece of string from around a piece of wood. It looks a bit like yeah, a, it's a, a bow it's, and a, arrow it's just a bow. simple bow. Yes. Yeah, just the bow, and a corner yeah. of it gets tucked into the cheek and you use the mouth to create the overtones or to yes. amplify the overtones. Um, so yeah, so this is in the church in District 6 in Cape Town. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was a bit of overtone history. So actually, um, uh, South Africa is one of the very few places on the planet where overtone singing developed outside of Asia. Mm. And the other place where it's not really a very well-developed form 
but is on the island of Sardinia. Mm. There are um, groups of men, four in four to a choir. They make little choirs of four men, and the, it's it's a very ritualized, traditional, almost religious practice. But mm. one of the guys does what's very similar to the uh, oh. You know, to the deep yes. voice of the Tibetan monks. It's very similar to that, but also sometimes the four voices blend together and create an overtone that is created by the sum or the interaction, the wave interference of the four singers creates a difference or a summation tone that is an overtone created by four people, wow. not just by one. And uh, that has quite an interesting effect. Yeah. And, and how different people have really been able to play with all these different harmonics around the world. I'm sure a lot yeah, of it's I been mean, lost. I'm thing. sure there must have been more. Most likely there, there, there was more, um, probably. But you see, overtone singing is something that anyone can discover for themselves. Yes. Many, many children... Uh, would or maybe did discover it for themselves until their parents uh, who maybe just you know how kids make noise or they'll sit in the back yes. of the car going nah, 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 until <laughs> mommy and daddy go Shut up. <laughs> so um, yes. michelle's work is about healing the shut-ups yeah. that people have received throughout their Very entire cool. lives she helps people to overcome the blockages mm. uh, you know and that we received way back in the old South Africa from such a strict disciplinary corporal punishment system that we had. I mean, I was given loads of traumas by loads of teachers, primary school, high school, etc. lots of shut-ups. So yeah. once we overcome the shut-ups, then we free the voice to be able to, to really glory in, the, in your own sound and the beauty of your own sound and, and then, of course, I highly recommend overtone singing to anybody because it's, it's, it's an innate human talent that we could all learn, you know? Yeah, it, also, it almost uh, feels like you can heal the body, your own body, through just using those overtones, just using your voice. And I know, I mean, it's very healing to use your voice um, and, and you, even using specific words. But the vibration of the of the overtones um, gives you a, a feeling of well-being when you're doing it yourself, or that's what I've experienced. I, this is why I decided to do it. You know, I mean, I was I was um, nearly thirty years old when I first heard overtones, and Michelle had done a course in the UK, and she came home from this course. She was pregnant with our daughter at the time. Our daughter is now 25 years old and a superb uh, singer and overtone singer oh, wow. in her own right. Um, yeah, she has a huge following already, fans on Instagram and whatever. So Michelle came back from the UK and said, oh, listen to what I can do. And I, she wasn't quite, she was just following some guidance that she'd been given by this particular woman who's yes. rather famous, well-known in, in the area. So I won't mention her name, but she doesn't really focus on the finest techniques 
of overdosing that allow everybody to get it immediately the way I do. She she just kind of says, yeah, do this, sing this word, and 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 your overtones will just happen automatically. But it right. doesn't help people to know where they are or what they're doing or how to go up and down the scale. That information was missing, and I had to figure it all out for myself over months and years of practice because we're talking 1995. Yeah. Well, that's amazing because now you're able to teach other people how to do it. You know, you've had to do well, it I've step teaching, by step yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that you know i'm grateful for that because i because i had to figure out painstakingly over weeks and months every little step every bit of progress i had to really fight and work hard so that gives me this ability to transmit very quickly and effectively to to um, people with absolutely zero musical or singing experience in a very short time how to do this everybody can learn to do this and um, and it's never too late to start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the beauty of it. We can use our voice till the day we leave the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I also, I wanted to uh, ask you a little bit about tuning forks. Um, I read okay, cool. on your website that, um, a really great way to use tuning forks on the body is to, to use it through the bone. Um, mm -hmm. how, does, how does it work? How does a tuning fork work? Because it, it only has one sound. Frequency. One yeah. frequency, yes, because it does have more sounds, yeah. it's, but the frequency kind of no. vibrates within no, itself. Each, every, no, one frequency means one sound. Okay. Quite literally. Okay. Um, tuning forks, in fact, do have overtones, but the particular shape and structure of a tuning fork means that it filters out and, and the overtones literally die off within a few seconds of activating the fork because the fork vibrates. In fact, if you give me one second, I'll fetch a tuning fork. Yeah, please. I... Uh, of my whole box of goodies here. <laughs> oh, goodies. It's like toys, my favorite kind of toys. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I have a you know, huge amount of toys. So here's a nice big fork. Yeah. And so this is an sound. osteophonic fork. Okay. So you can see it's got these bone. two big, yeah, it has these two big round weights on it. In fact, all all tuning forks that have these rounded weights are strong enough to vibrate and transmit their frequency to the bones. Wow. Okay. So, well, this one is the higher octave and this one is the lower octave. Right. The bigger ones yeah. the octave Probably. for the ones just listening, for the people who, are, who aren't watching on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that. No, it's not coming through. No, to, to hear the folk, you, you need a much, uh, a much higher frequency. Right. So there you need these uh, unweighted forks have yes. a much, are those of a higher frequency. Yes. And so this one is, this one is two octaves higher than this one. Okay. It's small and it doesn't have the weights on the top. Ah. 
I heard it when you knocked it can... and the sound uh, went yeah. off quite quickly through your microphone. So not ideal. Yeah. Of course, they, they do go higher and higher. Yes. I know it's a lovely tone and I've had the pleasure of having quite a large one um, uh, uh, knocked and then put onto my back and the, my whole nervous system just calmed down. It was amazing. Um, and in fact, it was quite yeah. an amazing story because a friend of mine had acquired this and um, I had just lost my beloved first fairy child. And I was in quite a lot of grief. Um, my, my dog passed away um, and he had brought this uh, to a class we were doing. And he said, ah, you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this. Uh, I'm going to um, let this tone on your back. And right. it felt I, I, it felt like a lot of that trauma in that moment just dropped away and cleared. It was it was quite amazing. Yeah, they are very very powerful, and I've had we've I've, uh, excellent results on many levels with the tuning forks. But it's essentially, uh, this particular fork is called the nerve tuner. Okay, that's and a really that large one. Is also yeah, and it's because it's only 50 hertz. Okay. 50 cycles per second. Yes. So it's even lower than this than this om fork here, which is the the one that's traditionally used on the bones and articulations. Ah. This one is also super excellent and it'll work on the bones but also on the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. Ah. And you can place it on the vertebra. All you do these forks are so um elastic because of the length yes. of the tines of the prongs it's yes. very elastic yeah so you don't need to strike it because if you if you strike this fork you risk clashing the two together which is which would yeah. be a very shocking sound for yes. your client they would yes. literally jump off the massage bed yeah. or jump off the therapy bed or jump you know out of their skin so what you want is to easily just squeeze the two weights together yeah. and release as if you're ah. popping a grape out of its skin. You know, you squeeze yes. and release. Right. Like and that. then it just vibrates after that. Yeah. Amazing. And then it should vibrate. You can see the vibration there. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Can you see the... Yeah, it looks okay. a bit like when and you wave last... a spoon and it, and, and it looks like it's, um, it's not straight like it's, anymore. Yes. It's, it's the elast it's the elasticity of the metal. Yeah. Okay. So that should last for a good 20 seconds. And then what you do is you place the handle of the fork directly on the articulation, on the sternum, on the coccyx, on the vertebra, the in the area you wish to treat. And it doesn't have to be a problem with that articulation. It could be with the muscle near to that articulation, yes. but it's the bones that transmit the frequencies very effectively. You can also place these forks on the reflex points of the feet wow. or hands. So you can do foot reflexology. Nice. And so a few years ago, I invented. Oh, it's got a little. Quartz at the ball. Yeah. Yeah. This is very high quality quartz crystal. Wow. That has been drilled. So it's been drilled with a hole in it so that it fits perfectly onto the handle of the fork. Yes. And that allows literally 
massage oils with essential mm -hmm. oils you can do massage wrinkle oil. removal oh my gosh i need one of those <laughs> on the face or elsewhere yeah and uh, no batteries required you can get it it's um it's well, very very setting. useful <laughs> that's absolutely yeah, when when Escom pops pulls the switch, then you can still have your tuning fork treatment without <laughs> having to plug anything in. And so it's super. You can actually slide it yes. along the skin using therapy oils, you know, essential yeah. oils, etc. And it's an amazing vibrational therapeutic massage. So yeah, tuning forks are incredibly powerful because they're localized. Yes. They uh, focus on one specific frequency. So after a couple of seconds, the overtones all die off, which means you're getting a pure sinusoidal wave, sine wave yes. that transmits very deeply and effectively throughout the body. And of course, tuning forks can also be used you know, around and in the energy field. Mm. If you literally uh, activate um, a tuning fork and hold it above your hand like this, yes. you can actually, sorry, like that, you can feel the vibrations without even touching. Oh, wow. So two or three centimeters away, yes. I can feel that tickling the palm of my hand yes. without touching. Oh, wow. And, and that's also, the wave. Yeah. And as soon as you, apply the forks to your ears already that vibration goes through the nervous system mm -hmm. down the spinal cord to all the major organs mm. so this is a connection that that we form during pregnancy because the, as you know the, the fetus can, has fully developed hearing after yes. 16 to 18 weeks so half months of pregnancy yeah. the fetus can hear everything can hear mommy's voice and hopefully daddy's voice as well yes. that stimulus is vitally important for the developing fetus mm. um so just uh, and at during that part of the fetus's development during pregnancy all sounds are directed from the ears directly to the major organs and and that's how the baby in fact develops its major organs because Wow. It is receiving sounds and stimulus from the mother's inner, inner body sounds and organs. Yes. So maybe it's using that like a sonic oh. blueprint. Well, that's again, it's another wow. Nestor theory or idea. Yeah, that makes that sense. The, the, I like it. Just, <laughs> it uses the mother's internal organs as a vibratory model or blueprint to finish, to complete the development of its own organs. Yes. It seems logical to me, but of course, it may be nothing to do with, the, with reality at all. But it's it's a great theory. But it is interesting. <laughs> it's it's one of the you know the first organs that are fully completed at that at such a, a young age, still um, still in in. Absolutely, in it's the it's the first of our five senses to 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 be completed is hearing, and that yeah. gives us an indication of how vitally important uh, uh, the ears are for our development but it's been a pleasure it's it's been wonderful i've learned so much it's absolutely fascinating all that you have to teach um it's it's now become a dream to come and visit you in spain uh 
to your lovely dome. I would love to come and do a course with with you and Michelle in this in that absolutely gorgeous space of yours. And thank you so much for, for well, chatting and giving your knowledge. It's a pleasure, you know, for me, it's not work. I'm doing what I love doing. So, so that's the difference, you know, and, and that's why sound keeps us young um, because we do what we love doing. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it certainly kept you young as well. <laughs> thank you, Nestor. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so Take much, Nestor. Thank Bye, you. everybody. Thank you so much for being here and listening to NixiePod. You can follow me, Nikki Fulbert, on Instagram and Twitter, and you can check out my latest film, Origins of Consciousness, on Fundraiser and Facebook. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe, rate, and review NixiePod on this podcast and on YouTube.